So if you would please turn in the New Testament to the book of Acts. I'll be reading Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost in the temple grounds to thousands of people. And right now at the very end of that sermon, we pick up. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, Instructive, and to those whom he called joy-giving word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for moments like these. We thank you for the two ordinances of the church, Lord Jesus, that you've given to us. The public profession of our faith through water baptism and holy communion. We thank you this morning for this wonderful picture of you saving Hannah and Caleb and all of us who have fled for refuge in you through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Help me unfold and unpack this text. Help us see beauty and the glory of what we will all witness this morning to the glory of your name. Amen. In this very first Christian sermon ever preached, throughout that whole sermon, Peter demonstrated from the scriptures and his eyewitness testimony that the crucified Jesus was actually Yahweh, the Lord, and the Messiah who rose from the dead. Peter's message, it reached the hearts of many that day, and it it caused them to ask, crying out, how can we get forgiveness from God for our sins? 
Look at verse 37 again. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter's answer in verse 38 tells them how to get what they desperately needed. God's forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's words came to them as the greatest news they ever heard. And 3,000 persons believed and were saved and baptized that day. And so this morning, we are sharing in the joy of these two persons publicly confessing Jesus as their personal Savior through their baptism. Notice now again, verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. This was the work of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is clear. The Holy Spirit's sword to cut is the Word of God, which came through Peter's mouth in the preaching of the Gospel. And thus, we see the Holy Spirit mercifully cut them in the heart so that they would cry out with all sincerity, what must we do? And when people get to that point of saying, what must I do? It's clear that they have personally come to feel their need for God to forgive them of their sins, to give them mercy. And so they say, how do I get it? I'll get there in a second. But again, let's just drill it home. Peter lets them know what it is that they need. What it is that all of us need. What it is that Hannah and Caleb need. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They need forgiveness of their sins and they need the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every human being born in this world except for Jesus 
is in need of God's forgiveness. As Romans 3.23 makes clear, all, every person, everybody raised in a religious home or not, Jew or Gentile, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Apostle Paul spells out our plight in Ephesians chapter 2 when he's writing to baptized believers that before their baptismal waters, before their faith in Christ, they were in a whole different state before God. And he says it this way. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And we all were by our nature children of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Which means Hannah and Caleb were created by the one true, holy, and only God. And that they were born into this world as sinners. Dead to God. As wrongdoers. And the commandments of God. God's moral law is a mirror to their personal guilt before the holy God. And they are in need of forgiveness. These people, in verse 37 of our text, it says, they were cut to the heart. What that means is when they were cut to the heart, it means the reality of their sinfulness became clear to them. And that's God's mercy. That's the Spirit's initial work. They realized what they needed, what Hannah and Caleb needed, was forgiveness of all of their sins. And that great news of the gospel of Jesus that Peter just preached is that God predetermined before the creation of anything that His eternal Son would become a human being and be slaughtered on a cross for the sins of every person who would ever call upon the Lord Jesus to be saved by His work and that mercy and thus forgiven of all their sins. So this morning, right over there, what we're going to be looking at is a play. It's a drama. We will be dramatizing that Hannah and Caleb have turned to Jesus personally and believe in the great news of the free gift of eternal life that was purchased by Jesus' sacrificial death and His bodily 
resurrection. This baptism portrays more than forgiveness, though. It also signifies their union with the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's read verse 38 again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That means, Hannah and Caleb, from your initial crying out, which happened before this morning, from your initial crying out to the Lord Jesus to be saved, the Holy Spirit has been and will be in you and at work in your life until death. It's a promise. Now back to Peter's question. How? How do I get all my sins forgiven and wiped away and receive the gift of the Spirit? His answer is concise in verse 38. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. First, repent. Repentance, it doesn't mean just feel remorse over your sin. It means that. that that's what being cut to the heart is referring to an overwhelming sense of one's sins in light of the truth of who God is and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their heart is cut. But it means that, therefore. But along with that remorse over their sin, it means following through on that conviction and turning around. Changing your mind, your heart, in order to go down a different pathway, to, to live differently, to walk with God by this gift of the Holy Spirit. That's repentance, which is the essence of saving faith. Trust in God and His promises and commands. L listen to how the Lord Jesus said this when he was instructing the Apostle Paul. Jesus, in his resurrection form, says to Paul in Acts 26, I'm sending you, Paul, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and turn from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are set apart by faith in me. Repent. That repentance, it is an about face. 
It's a turning and a changing of direction and an ongoing life of repentance that hates the still embedded sinful nature. And thus the battle of the Christian life in new birth begins. Repent! And then Peter adds, and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. There was a very close connection in the minds of the apostles between saving faith and water baptism. The idea of an unbaptized Christian was foreign to the early church because they assumed that every Christian who came to faith in order to be saved in Jesus would be an obedient believer and submit to the waters of baptism. Remember Jesus, right before He ascended to the Father, gave the great commission to His disciples. Go therefore. Why? Because all power and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore, go and preach and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so Peter says, receive the forgiveness of your sins by repenting and believing in the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which you signify through your baptism. Hannah and Caleb Baptismal waters don't save. Your personal faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that is what is essential to being saved. And then, three minutes later, three months later, sadly sometimes years later, and then the person is baptized as an external picture and expression of that faith and union with Jesus Christ. There's Peter's answer. Just briefly look down how he ends it in verse 41. Luke says this to us. Chapter 2, Acts, verse 41. And so, those who received, that's faith. You hear the message of salvation freely offered through Jesus' substitutionary atonement and His bodily resurrection with tons of eyewitnesses and all the promises of Scripture that He purchased there. You, you hear that and you believe, which means I receive His Word. And so those who received His Word were baptized. 
there added that day about 3,000 souls. And so that was on the day of Pentecost, five to six weeks after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And then a couple decades after that day, the Lord Jesus had the Apostle Paul unpack even more what our water baptisms are signifying. And he does this in the book of Romans, chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, turn there for a moment. In Romans chapter 6, in verses 3 and 4, first we'll notice, baptism portrays our death in the death of Jesus. Begin with verse 3 of Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. This means at least two things. One, that that nature Paul talked about that we're all born with, by nature we're children of wrath, we're dead to God. That old, rebellious, unbelieving self died. And secondly, this means that Hannah and Caleb, you will die. Your body will die one day. And this means that your future physical death will not have the same meaning for you that it would have had if Jesus had not died your death for you. In other words, if any of us had died without Christ dying our death, then death would have been the horrific experience of entering into eternal condemnation for our sins. And so our baptisms portray the work of the Holy Spirit uniting us with the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrificial, atoning, wrath-bearing work on the cross. In other words, we who believe are united to Jesus spiritually so that His death becomes clear that it was our death as our substitution. And then, His life. His righteousness lived in perfect humanity becomes our life. But more than merely that, His life by the impartation of the Spirit becomes our life. And that's the next thing Paul says. Baptism not only portrays 
our death in the death of Christ, but it portrays our new birth, our new life in Christ. Let's begin with verse 4 and read. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, what sweet words, for the purpose that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also now might live in this world might live, might walk in newness of life. That's what Peter was telling him. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will get the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Hannah and Caleb will not stay underneath the water. They will rise up out of that grave of water because after death comes new life. And that's what Christianity is. That, that's what Paul said about himself, which he was saying about every genuine Christian who has been born again. You know it. Galatians 2.20 I have died. I have been crucified with Christ. And then I came up out of the water. I'm alive. It's no longer I, meaning the old I that died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ, who lives in me. And yes, I'm alive. In the life I now live in the flesh, in this world, in my mortality, I live it by faith in the Son of God, who loved... No, no, no. Not, not just loved the whole world. He loved me, Paul, in, in a special way. Loved me. He gave himself for me. F feel this in the water today. Hannah and Caleb, feel it. The Holy Spirit is here to feel it. The newness of life is the life of faith in Christ. Meaning the day by day, putting down the sinful inclinations of our flesh and getting into the Word and trusting what God has said in Holy Scripture. Faith, meaning trusting what He's promised you and trusting what He commands you. And so, as we baptize these two persons this morning. We are portraying visibly what happened to them when they were converted to Christ. The dead, rebellious, sinful nature died with Jesus Christ on the cross. 
when he died for them. That is the dead, rebellious. I hate God, or even in my religiosity, too, I see the light of the glory of God in the gospel, the face of Jesus Christ. I didn't turn the light on. He did. It shone in my heart to give the light of the glory of Christ. And that dying to the old darkness is signified by their going under the water. And at that same instance, God made them alive together with Christ, where Jesus' life in new birth by the Spirit became their new life. And this is signified by them rising up out of the water. And so for all of us in here who are in Christ and walking with Christ and like with them, what we're going to see, this is what it means to be a Christian. To go on living your lives in the reality of what your baptism portrays. Let's pray. And then we'll be worshiping and singing. And then we will rejoice in the drama that will be before us. Father, you're so good. Not just as a pastor, I must speak as a dad. And on behalf of my wife as a mom and the siblings and this local church who loves them, we thank you. We, we know that so many are raised in church and the light never goes on. And we don't take this lightly. We are deeply grateful, Father, for, for the unfathomable goodness to Hannah and to Caleb. Oh, may your presence by the Holy Spirit continue to be here strongly with new, fresh infilling for these two to the glory of Jesus.